Kiora, ko Tom Kitchen Toko Ingoa, and today on the detail, Kati Kurero Mato Mote Karakia. We're talking about Karakia. Let's firstly start with Karakia to set the tone for this podcast. Ayo Kitirangi, Ayo Kitifinua, Ayo Kitiko Papa, Ayo Kiatato Katoa, Tihei Modi Order. There have been battles over saying them at council meetings across the Mortu. In Te Tai Tokoro. Uh, excuse me, just before we start uh, through the chair, may I um, say the karakia? Shut down by Kaipara's mayor. So Paniori, you cannot interrupt. And more recently, in Otago. You will see that I did not leave the meeting when the karakia was being done. I left after the karakia, and at no stage would I disrespect the karakia. Hikoi in protest. So, what actually is karakia, and when are they appropriate? A karakia is appropriate to do any time. A karakia is about intention. It's about setting goodwill. It's about setting a good direction. It's about setting positivity. We talk to Tikanga educator Blackie Tohiaraki later. But now, let's get the basics on the controversy in Northland and Otago. Mihinarangi Forbes of Ngāti Pāwa and Ngāti Maniapoto is one of New Zealand's leading Māori journalists. She starts by telling me about Kaipara. It was last year that Pera Paniora, who's one of the new Māori ward councillors, um, attempted to deliver, recite whatever a karakia um, when she had first got in, and she was told to sit down by the mayor, I think it was, Craig Jepson. Before the meeting starts, it's te to start a meeting with a karakia. Uh, OK, I'll address that. This is a council which is full of people who are non-religious, uh, religious of different ethnicities, and I intend to run a secular council here which respects everybody. Between then and now, a ban came in. A controversial ban on karakia at council meetings has divided a Northland community. The new Kaipara mayor said the meetings should be a karakia-free zone in order to respect everyone. You may remember in Perihuri Waisega, he made a documentary on Māori veganism. So he's from a decolonisation group and he attempted to do karakia again just recently and that's where it hit the headlines again. The mayor himself had started the meeting by reading a passage on preferential Treatment. So I think his he had made his position clear at the beginning. Yeah. So here we have Kaipara. Um, Kaipara is an interesting area. You know, north of Auckland, um, below Ngāpuhi, it's uh, Ngāti Whātuki Kaipara, uh, Ngāti Wai. It's got quite a few iwi around there. So it's important, you know, for people like Pira Paniora and Pere Huriwai to be able to, I guess, represent their people and just deliver their customs and their cultures the way that they, they feel they need to. And they just weren't. They were told, no, you can't do it. It was just kind of shut away from them. Yeah, and so I think around the country now we're starting to see people, citizen journalists, if you like, um, with their phones recording uh, little videos and cutting them up and editing and putting them on social media and TikTok. And, you know, all the young people, younger than me anyway, are watching them on TikTok and Insta and just getting a bit of a, a, a different story to what might be written about in the paper. Well, can you give me a, like, some examples of that? Where is that happening? Um, so Pere Huri Waisega, he's been um, making some pretty 
beautiful looking edited pieces on the reason why he's been part of this decolonisation group and the reason that he's been trying to recite karakia at the council meetings. There was no call for a secular karakia because, in fact, it benefits them, as religion is falling out of fashion, to lump perceived threats such as tikanga Māori and in turn Auranga Tiratanga into that same cancelable category. And then something more recently happened in Otago, didn't it? What happened there? Yeah, so in Otago, a councillor called Kevin Malcolm, once the karakia began, he walked out um, and I think he left the council without a quorum, so... He used his powerful position in that one to kind of disrupt and upset the meeting. And he basically said that he didn't want to stay because it was a tick box exercise. Yeah, same again. Uh, Tangata Whenua have turned up since, you know, trying to have a discussion around karaki and around tikanga and customs. When I say tangata whenua, I mean people from Ngaitahu, from that runanga, from that district. So, yeah, we're seeing that again. Do you think what's happened in Kaipara and Otago, is it a misunderstanding or is it just racism? Uh, It's change and it's about sharing power. So ultimately everything is about sharing power when we have these clashes and whether you want to call it racism or unconscious bias, it's all the same, just different levels of it. When someone wants to bring some change into your area, into your space, and you're not ready for that or you're not in control of it or it's not your change, you get a pushback sometimes. Like This is not happening all over New Zealand. So these councils that are embracing change, and that's fantastic, this is happening in some spaces, and it's not all the councillors. Sometimes it's one or two or three. And like I say, in 10 years' time, we'll be looking back and saying, ha, huh, that was a funny time, eh? What's your experience of karakia been like in your own personal spaces as a Māori journalist? So... Because I, I started at, um, in Māori Radio first and then I went to Te Karere. So Karakia was, I mean, we had the most proficient real speakers when I first started with Whaingata and Māori Stafford and Tini Molingu and Wena Harue and all these amazing people who were native speakers. So Karakia was just normal for us. And I feel like most people accepted it too. Say in the TVNZ newsroom, we'd have porphyry, we'd have events, others would come up to the marae and would have a hui. We even had people lie in that marae and people would come and have the process of tangi. So in the 90s, it was pretty much accepted and there never, it didn't feel like there was resistance to that part of te ao Māori. Yes, there was resistance to other things like the narrative of our stories and funding and all those kinds of things. But in terms of karakia, I felt like um, we didn't, we weren't seeing what we're seeing now. Today, we karakia for everything. I mean, karakia isn't just about blessing food. And very rarely do I hear one about Jesus Christ anymore. In Māori circles, it's about spaces and clearing spaces and um, inviting new new thoughts and generous thoughts and love and things like that, or sending someone on their way. So over time, when you've been a reporter, been a journalist in that space, when you might you do it on, let's say, a normal day? Oh, we often have a karakia before we take off on a shoot. I might have one on a plane. My daughter often rings me and she says, Mum, me karaku kui moku. If she's jumping on a plane, can you do a little karakia for me over the phone? So we'll do that. We'll turn up 
and when we sit down with our talent, sometimes we'll have a karaoke beforehand, depending on how in depth this conversation is going to get. So if we're going to talk about mamai, painful things, you know, we'll have a karaoke beforehand. Often, if they have someone there, we'll let them lead that karakia. If it's just me, I'll sit there and I'll have a mihi to them about thanking them for having us there. At the end of our interview, we also mihi again, which is not a karakia, but a form of an acknowledgement. Obviously, kai, um, if you're going to a marae, you'll always have a pōwhiri now or a whakatau. So karakia again in there. And not a karakia to God, as everyone keeps talking about, but... To the people of the land, um, to the land, yeah, to Ranginui, to Papatuanuku, to the Faria Tuakene, so the marae that's been there, that's been a roof for many, many generations and will be for many to come. So all the time, really. My name is uh, Blackie Tohiariki, Notaki Tumuwaka, Hachikahungunuki to Wairua, Hatifanaapunui, Metarawa. I'm born and bred in the capital, Wairoa, which is in between Napier and Gisborne. You go five miles out of Wairoa, you'll hit a big city called Fraser Town. Uh, that's where I hail from. Blackie is an educator in Māori spaces. He's taught in all kinds of kūra for 40 years and is now based in Tamaki Makodo. He works with organisations on te reo Māori traditions and customs. He's here to explain exactly what karakia is. So what we have in karakia, karakia is a Māori word, leave it in te reo. Don't try and translate it. Karakia is just is karakia. You've got ka, it ignites. Ri, ri is connectivity. And kia is the essence of your voice, the, the tone of your voice. Uh, your sincerity is, is what you're saying, the words that you're saying. But it's not that simple. To really understand this, we need some reference points. The first term of reference I want to talk about is actually the word Māori. We can look at it many ways, but the bottom line, Māori means... Māori means pure, it means indigenous, Māori means original, Māori means natural, Māori means clean, Māori means clear, Māori means fresh. Those are all the connotations of Māori. That's all it means. It does not mean the Māori down the road. So, for example, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, Why Māori is fresh water or pure water. Māori, to have a look at that term of reference again, Ma, break it up, Ma means pure. Or, the letter or, is energy. And the word ri is a, a term we use for connectivity, connecting. So maori is pure energy uh, and connection. The second term of reference I want to talk about is a term called modi. And modi is a, is a life force. Modi is the essence of life. Everything holds modi. You and I hold modi. Modi isn't a human thing. The rock holds modi. You know, it's written in the stone. Uh, the tree holds its own modi, its life essence, its life force. So what we have here is Māori and modi. Māori, pure energy and, and connectivity and connectedness. Modi, life essence. And so when we come to a thing called karakia, when we come to this kaupapa of karakia, we, we've got to think in, in two camps because they exist. Blackie says if you want to walk out on karakia, that's fine, that's cool, that's your right, but if your reason for doing so is an anti-religious one, think again. Karakia is clear and clean cut. Now, it takes a religious spin when, in your organisation, words like Lord, God, Amen, uh, those types of words are, are used, then 
it is religious. Then you can call it a prayer, if you like. But a karakia is not a prayer. I broke it up. Karakia is ignition, energy, connectivity. That's what a karakia is. Let's not call it a prayer, otherwise we, we have another indoctrinized view as to what a prayer is, and so we link a prayer to a certain culture. I just want to say, I want to make a statement, and it's about your organization, and where does your organization stand? It's, it's not about your individual stance, because that's what's hitting the news. It's about your organization. Where does your organization stand uh, as far as uh, religious tolerance or intolerance is concerned? So religious tolerance, I just want to share something, is a crucial aspect of creating a diverse and an inclusive workplace environment. That's what you're a part of, listeners. Uh, Treaty of Waitangi in New Zealand, that recognises this importance through the fourth article, Article 4 of the Treaty of Waitangi. Article 4, which guarantees Māori and non-Māori, all individuals, the freedom and the protection to practise their religion, their faith, and their cultural customs. I'll repeat, cultural customs. Religion's in there. I know you heard that. Faith is in there. But I want to focus on religion and cultural customs. So therefore, in your organization, it's therefore essential for our organizations to adopt a religious tolerancy policy that upholds Article 4 of the Treaty of Waitangi. Now, that's just something for you to think on and think about. So Article 4 was, uh, was that an oral article that was written after the first three, was it? Yes, essentially it was more oral. It's, it's not included in the original indigenous writing of the treaty, but it is in the, in the translation. It's included in the translation. This issue we're having often is personal. Personally, we need to go back to the organisation and ask the organisation where they stand. And if they have a tolerance or an intolerance policy, then really that's your, there, there lies your answer and there lies your discussion. The other aspect of this is spirituality. Karakia is spiritual. Our Māori people, for want of a term, were never religious. Our people were spiritual people. They were earth, wind, fire and water people. It's elementary. That all those Māori out there are nice little Christian? Wrong. If they are good on them, I support them one handy. But in actual fact, those people, if they're indigenously Māori in, in, that, in that term, then they are from the earth, the winds, the fires and the waters. Now, when you come from a spiritual base, then therefore a karakia is no longer a prayer. A karakia is sitting down. A karakia is looking people face-to-face, eye-to-eye. A karakia is setting intention of goodwill. A karakia is talking to the heart. Now, the heart in Māoridom is, is in the forehead is your whatu manawa. In your chest is your manawa titi. That's another part of the heart. And in, in your stomach is another part of your manawa. So in Māori, Māori philosophy, your heart is three segments. In your head, in your body, that we all know of because we learned it in our sixth-form biology, and here in your puku. A karakia aligns to all of those principles. It does not align to God, but a traditional karakia is elementary. It, it binds people to the earth. It binds people to the winds that they breathe, which includes the words that they use, uh, the breathing that they, they take. Some people can be cyclonic in some of their conversation. Some people can be warm. Some people can be gentle in their breeze that they, um, they put out there. So karakia aligns with all of those facets.
So when is karakia appropriate? A karakia is appropriate to do any time. I always had karakia before my meeting on the rugby field. Because a karakia is about intention. It's about setting goodwill. It's about setting a good direction. It's about setting positivity. It's about setting, earthing, whatever you're going to do, it's about earthing that purpose. It's about adding wind to the fires. It's about um, stoking the fires. It's about finding resolution. That's what a karakia is all about, earth, wind, fire, water. So a karakia is appropriate to do any time. Our people did karakia all of the time. Woke up in the morning, gave thanks for the fire, in other words, the sun. It's got nothing to do with God because God is not a word in our vocabulary. We use the word atua. So atua means atua. But, uh, you know, there's a misconception and a, a colonization view that some educationalists say, atua is God. Bam, everybody believes that. Atua never ever meant God. God is an English word. It's like the word aroha. Aroha means aroha. Don't translate it. Aroha is what you see, it's what you feel, it's what you do. That's what aroha is. We're always looking for a word to translate, but maybe we we shouldn't do that. And that's why beautiful concepts get lost in translation. Out of all this, what I'm saying today, beautiful concepts get lost in translation because it's your translation about your truth. So when might you, you say you do it before a rugby match? Uh, I do it before I go fishing because I have an intent. But the thing about fishing is... Some of my relationship with the environment is going to die before I go hunting. If I go with the intention that I'm going, I'm going to take from the environment a life. So therefore, when that, when that ritual is done, then you give thanks again. You have another karakia. There's some arguments that some of these uh, people in authority have, and I just wanted to put them to you and see what you have to say about them. So some people say that, you know, if you have a white person stumbling over Māori kupu or words, that's insulting, so it's it's bad to say it wrong. What, what would you say to that? That's all about education. That's fine. That's beautiful. White person stumbling, good on you. Let's have more stumblers out there because the more we can get on the rugby field, the better we'll be, the stronger team will be. We need all of the elements. We need all of the skills out there. And if they're stumbling, it's just like little kids in the Kohangareo. Let me tell you, those little kids in the Kohangareo, we call it total immersion, they were stumbling and getting it all boozled up and wrong and bung and everything. You name it, they were saying it differently. I won't say wrong. Wrong's the wrong word. So all of those little kids, we're fine. So you out there stumbling through, having a crack at it, well done. I commend you. Congratulations. You keep going. And don't be put off by other people's limiting factors. Don't be put out by the naysayers. Don't be put out by the knockers. Even if those knockers are my people. Even if they are my people, uh, breathe, take the hit, and carry on with your proactive response. And some people also say that if there are no Māori people in the room, uh, who are we doing this for? The answer is simple. You're doing it for Māori. So you're doing it to lay foundations uh, on an indigenous sphere. You're doing it to lay foundations of purity of action. You're doing it to lay foundations of quality management. Uh, you're doing it to lay foundations of normality, because that's what Māori means. And if there's no Māori in the room, every human being in that room is Māori. So can we just sum up, why would we do a karakia? If we're a bit afraid about it, why should we do it? If it is fear, 
um, we, we have a saying in Māori that says there are two karawhiti at the hopo. Dive in that river and swim the damn thing anyway. Even though there's some nasty tanifar out there that might get you, they're actually there to protect you. Um, take the bull by the horns and go for it, is what I suggest. That's nearly it for today. Let's end with karakia. Here we go. Listen carefully. Hold the essence of what I'm talking about. Up above, on the land, in the sea. Maori ora, kia tātou. Tūia ki te rangi, tūia ki te whenua, tūia ki te moana, karongo te pō, karongo te ao, tihei Maori ora. Ko Tom Kitchenahoe. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Phil Benj engineered this podcast. Our producers are Sarah Robson, Bonnie Harrison and Alexia Russell. Nā mihi maioha ki a Blackie tohi araki arawa ku mihi nā rangi Forbes. Noho ora mai, mā te wā.